All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. We're going to kick off this episode like we normally do this time of year. NFL Week 7 reaction. Steelers were on a bye, but the Patriots blew out the Jets, so we'll talk about that game and more. Before talking a little baseball, our Boston Red Sox were eliminated by the Houston Astros in the ALCS. Astros will be taking on the Atlanta Braves in the World Series, so we'll talk about the championship series, what went wrong, what went right for those two teams, and of course give our predictions for this World Series. And from there, we'll give predictions for the NBA 75th season, 2021-22 season tipped off last week. We'll talk about some of the bigger storylines, give kind of a brief season preview as uh, there are already a few games in and we'll give our picks for the end of the season, our big winners and playoff teams and awards and everything in between. Before finally concluding this episode as uh, we wrap up October and spooky season by counting down our biggest fears in this week's top five. So with that, let's get started. Let's, uh, I guess, give this a second try. We tried to put on an episode last week, but we had uh, technical difficulties. Really, the first time this has ever happened to us in three and a half years, and we now have a lost episode. Yeah, it blows my mind that after all these years, that it, it fi- <laughs> we finally had a lost episode on my part. If you're curious, anyone's curious listening, who's to blame? It was my and that crashed. It was my garage. It was Garage Man. We'll yeah. blame. We'll blame Apple. We'll blame uh, Steve Jobs from the dead. And yeah. we'll say it's it's their fault because there's nothing that you could do. Um, it was frustrating, but we'll come back and we'll we'll kind of the, talk about some of the similar things. Yeah, um, we had a big NBA season preview. We're gonna kind of get like an abbreviated one. We'll still talk football and baseball, and um, we'll have a top five at the end. But we will probably have some references. So if you say anything about like the lost episode, like, oh, this there is what will we be, said a week ago. <laughs> there will be plenty of things. Ho- hopefully yeah. not too many things, but there'll definitely be some things that I will like to bring up from the lost episode. Yeah, um, I'm sure that I'll have stuff to reference as well. But that's the past. And we're still going to talk a little bit of the past. We're going to talk the, the lesser, you know, the closer past, um, what has happened since that episode. And... NFL Week 7 is in the books. The Steelers had a bye for the first time in two weeks. Uh, the Patriots played a uh, very fun game for you as a Patriots fan for the first time in a long time. But before we get into any of that, since it's kind of the most relevant thing, um, so Monday Night Football, 
this season a lot of times uh they do a, an alternative broadcast the manning cast did you watch last night particularly i did with watch Tom Brady? i did watch the entire game on the manning cast yeah same it's it's so much more fun watching out in the manning cast i i was like have you been watching it the manning cast i guess they haven't done it since week three but back then were you watching their version yeah i or? was i was watching it from the start i i like it a lot i i wish they would do less interviews But see, the thing is, the one with Brady, I I mean, yeah, that's a bit of a a biased one, but I did enjoy the Brady one a lot just because Peyton and Brady are close friends and and even Eli to an extent a little bit. Just how they they all have a relationship together. Yeah, exactly. And they're playing days. And, you know, Marshawn, he's definitely wildly entertaining (laughs) to listen to. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know. cursing I f- left and right like i i felt but. so bad for sue bird just because she's one of the best women's basketball players of all time but she gets she gets an interview in between three other football players yeah it's i think that they've been doing that or when they had been doing it they would bring in like somebody who's not a football player but it's just like i guess it's more like fan insight at that point and like she would be perfect if you're going to have like an nba broadcast with like right. a seattle team or whoever they want to do but i uh yeah i think that it is kind of at a disadvantage to be like all right the third quarter is not like you have marshawn lynch tom brady and drew Brees. so like you know for a lot of casual football fans she's certainly going to stand out the least but yeah um, I, I do I, like i like the variety that they bring yeah in. I, I i like it a lot too i guess i just wish they did a little bit less interviewing just because it there is some More silent awkwardness analysis. at times, yeah. especially oh, like, since yeah. I think I think Peyton really tries to give you as much as he can. But I think Eli uh-huh. at times is just awkward <laughs> and just wants to watch the game. Yeah, and- well, I, I think that you just talk about that where with when Brady comes on, like, yeah, they're talking about stuff from the playing days. But, like, it's also, okay, what would you do on this third and one? Like, how do you read this defense? What would you do? And, like, Subert, it's like, what position would you play if you were an NFL player? Yeah, I did this, notice you know, that, too. The same. Yeah. It's so. like, oh, I think I'd play quarterback. Well, I, I mean, you, right. you play point guard, so it's kind of the quarterback in Makes, a, yeah. on a basketball Makes team. Sense. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, one thing that was brought up during the Manning cast was Tom Brady's 600th touchdown ball, which ended up going to a fan in the crowd temporarily. Mike Evans didn't really know any better, and the fan ended up giving the ball back. Uh, he did get some stuff out of the deal. I think he got two season tickets for the end of this year and next year he got signed helmets and jerseys and cleats from brady and evans he got a thousand dollars to the team store and a bitcoin from brady do you think he got enough he definitely got a much better deal deal this time than he did during the game that was reported and when when tracy wolfson said that yeah the the fan was getting I, I think it was one NFL game football and another sign thing. Jim Nance just goes, oh, it's a terrible deal when I couldn't uh, agree with him more. And then even Brady and Peyton were just completely uh, shitting on the guy, saying that, like, oh, man, that was such an amateur move to, on his part, and he lost all of his leverage, and I, I couldn't agree with him more. Like, yeah, it, I mean – <laughs> when it comes to the fan, yeah, you have the leverage in that situation. You should be able to get whatever it takes and and not just because it's you don't want to just support your favorite athlete and do whatever 
do whatever they want. Like, no, <laughs> you, well, you should it, be able to take advantage of the situation. Like, no, I want all of Brady's Bitcoin shares. Right. <laughs> I want, it's like I want a, season tickets. a player getting traded to a team and they're like, I want a number. They'll cut a deal with the guy who has the jersey. And in this case, that's it's the same concept. And it's someone who is just a normal person, presumably. There was um, a guy think, on the Yank, uh, Yankees fan base who caught Derek Jeter's 3,000 hit because it was a home run. Yeah. And he did the really nice thing, which was just giving the ball back to Jeter, and then the Yankees, they gave him a couple things, but he didn't really get much else yeah, out of it. I know. Well, some of those um, baseballs, they'll go for millions of dollars, like the big milestone ones. So um, that's I didn't even hear about that. That's surprising. And I, I, I guess the the Brady ball, it really comes down to what happens with Bitcoin. I'm not a big crypto guy. Uh, oh, right now, it's sixty thousand. If that goes through the roof, then the that could be the best I part of the deal. I wouldn't even know what to do because it could go through the roof or it could just crash. Just, yeah, I know. So it, it really comes down to that. I mean, thousand dollars is a team store. So like, just buy like I don't you know, buy like, like four third, jerseys, third corner jersey. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're just getting a lot of stuff. I don't know what else you would get there. So. Um, anyway, that was the most notable thing to happen in the Bucks Bears game. It was a blowout. Wait, you didn't want to talk about the garbage. game? <laughs> yeah, I knew that the Bucks defense was going to harass Justin Fields and the Bears offense all day. I didn't realize it would be that bad and that it would just be like over at halftime. Yeah, did, like what do you have like six turnovers or the Bears offense? Something I think, like that. I think three he had picks, three, three picks, fumbles. three fumbles, lost two of them. So uh, yeah, not a good showing for Justin Fields. Hey, I was saying that Dalton should be their guy. Like they shouldn't rush fields out there just to try to save people's jobs and it's not working at all yeah and so. i'll admit i was on the wrong side of that I, I will, <laughs> and i will fully admit it's part of it part of it's because i like fields and part of it is because i don't like andy dalton but i'll admit i was on the wrong side of that or at least yes. that's how, how it's looking right now at least fields fields is one of uh a few rookie quarterbacks who've gone off to slow starts this season and Two rookie quarterbacks played in a game that was of very particular interest to you with the two guys coming out on very different ends of this one uh, with Mac Jones and Zach Wilson in the Patriots-Jets game. And Pats win 54-13. to Are they the best team in football? Yeah, they're going all the way. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see why not, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge blowout win. And I... I guess I'll I'll let you come out with like the actual analysis, but if all, all the issues that you've kind of seen with this team in recent weeks, uh, it felt like you can at least forget about them maybe for a few days here. Yeah, a few days <laughs> until they have to play the Chargers without uh, key members on their defense like Jonathan Jones and possibly McCourty, and they already don't have Gilmore, which, yeah, so that's going to hurt their secondary, and they're going to face an offense that's been – Pretty pretty good to start the season outside of that Ravens A little game. better than the Jets' offense. Yeah, a little bit better <laughs> than the Jets. Yeah. And yes, the Patriots did beat the Chargers uh, last year in a blowout, but I'd imagine the Chargers will be much more prepared this time, especially Herbert. And then, so, so yeah, for for this this particular game, yeah, it was it was obviously great that they completely embarrassed the Jets. And even though the Jets stink, I I always love. I'm I'm kind of like. Bill, where, where where Bill just wants to do as much as possible to beat the Jets, and and I I enjoy it as much just as much as he does because no matter how bad they are, they're definitely my least favorite of the three uh, teams in in the AFC. So I 
certainly enjoyed it, but at the same time, I don't know how much better the Patriots really are. I feel like this game was just to give the Patriots a confidence boost just because they've lost four games that in three of them they easily could have won and they're yeah, and all of them of all their rate. losses have been at home as well <laughs> and obviously i've experienced yeah, this, this is the first time that the uh the patriots fans have left gillette stadium after a win since week 16 of 2019 yeah which so it's was, been a while it's been nearly two years which is pretty depressing yeah and so is it a good that they won in in the fashion that they did yes but at the same time it's the jets so how seriously can i take this win that I that I question for sure. I mean, this year they're one and four against teams not named the Jets, and last year they were five and nine against teams not named the Jets. So again, great win, but I don't know how seriously to take it. I mean, Mac Jones, he was fine, but again, it was a lot of checkdowns, still very, very conservative uh, of an offense, and I feel like the coaching staff still doesn't have full faith or full trust in Mac Jones yet. I mean, they're being really really conservative too conservative at times and the running game has definitely looked good and it definitely looked great in this game uh brandon bolden damian harris and uh who's their third guy uh jj taylor jj taylor yeah, correct too yeah. late he, he yeah. two one yard touchdowns. yeah they runs, they so combined like. for five touchdowns uh in this game and so that's great but at the same time it's the jets <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. and then defensively yeah same thing they only gave up 13 points. <laughs> Good for them. But so, I, I don't know that you can dismiss like a 54 point, 41 point victory over another NFL team as it's just the Jets. Like, I totally get the concept of it. Like, okay, you're not going to win every single game like this. But I do think that it goes a long way potentially, this kind of confidence boost, just seeing how great this team can be and can they feed off that. But of course, the schedule gets much tougher for the Patriots, starting with the Chargers, a game in LA having to travel. So it's, um, I think that this is, could be a pivotal moment in the season. It could just be, uh, Oh, remember when we won this huge blowout against the jets and the a forgettable season otherwise, uh, or it could be, Hey, this is kind of the game where this inspired that confidence moving forward. Mac Jones certainly played well. And the running backs had a great performance. The offensive line has kind of figuring it out there, like, there have been, been there have been times including this past game where it's looked great but there have been games where it's been a complete mess in, including the dallas game especially yeah yeah I mean, mac so jones it's... in that game was getting lit up uh, versus dallas uh, yeah. because of bad offensive line play and so so yeah it's that one's kind of to be determined we'll see how they do against teams like the chargers and I mean, the Chargers, as good as they are, they're not a good run defense at all. That's definitely their biggest weakness on their team. So I, I would imagine Damian Harris will get uh, plenty of touches uh, in the Sunday's game against the Chargers. And so, yeah, looking forward to that. And I guess another thing to mention is that I feel like for me to have more confidence in the Patriots, they have to win a game where you don't really expect them to win. And a game against the Chargers, I'd imagine they'll be – sort of big underdogs uh, yeah i want to say five and a half point yeah that, that sounds accurate yeah five five and a half point underdogs and so which is kind of crazy coming off a 41 point win but. yeah <laughs> and then chargers are coming off a big loss uh versus yeah. Baltimore. and well they're coming off a and bye they're also coming off a bye loss. that's yeah. correct yeah mm-hmm. and so if so if they were to win versus the chargers uh, that would definitely give me more confidence but at the same time i remember last year they played baltimore uh last year on sunday night football that was a game that no one expected the Patriots to win. They were over a touchdown 
uh, underdogs in that game, and and they ended up winning. And it's like, wow, great! They 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 beat the Ravens. They've turned a corner, and no, they didn't. They just, just no. They ended up losing other games. They, they actually, yeah, again, they beat the Chargers last year in a blowout. But then all of a sudden, Thursday night football, four days later, they end up getting their ass kicked first first the Rams. Yeah, there's, I think that was kind of the story of the Patriots last season was they'd pull out these wins against teams you wouldn't expect, but then they'd lose games like really badly right after, and they just couldn't carry momentum. And you know, this season so far, the story has kind of been uh, disappointed in heartbreaking losses that are close. They than really they could be. And- they could have a much, much better record than they do right now because they're three and four, but they lost in really close games against... Tampa, Dallas, and, and Miami. Miami is definitely the killer just because they they literally have one win this year, and it was against the Patriots, and <laughs> uh, and they had the ball with two minutes left to go down one point. They didn't even need a touchdown. They could have just gotten a no, field goal No, they could have kicked that a game. field goal from there. Yeah. And so that, that one's a killer. And, I mean, the Tampa one, okay, if, even if they make the field goal, maybe Brady just comes down the field and suck up hits another field goal. So, and But then the, the Dallas one was definitely a killer from – a week and a half ago just because they were also in that game and and then they're up 21 to 20 with two minutes left and all of a sudden for whatever reason they actually throw the ball the one time that they shouldn't they actually do throw it and then uh, Trayvon Diggs gets a pick six and has a, his gazillion interception of the year and and yeah they score the touchdown afterwards but then Dallas came down the field and got the field goal and then eventually won in overtime and so yeah they, they could easily have a much better record right now yeah, so this uh, this upcoming stretch, I think, will really kind of determine how things are looking for the Patriots. Yeah, because they got they got the Chargers, but Chargers then they got the Panthers, Panthers on the road, Browns and then they at got home, the Browns. Falcons. Who the, the they they also have the Browns. So the, the Panthers on the road, the Browns at home, yeah. the Falcons on the road. Right. So those, in theory, are four games that the Patriots could win. Or could all lose. of those, or yeah, they could certainly lose them. Yeah. Um, and I, know, I, I can't believe I, I hate saying that. Like, oh my god, the Falcons that should be right. no, they could they could be they could be underdogs in that game. I don't short know. week on the road, yeah. So that's definitely the dis- most disappointing thing about the Patriots now is that when you look at their schedule, it's who are the automatic wins? It's the Jets, Texans, and Jags. Which they already got, yeah, yeah. yeah Jags, Jags and Dolphins week seventeen and eighteen, but. I mean, yeah, I, I don't even know about the Dolphins because they suck at Miami anytime they True. play them. Yeah, well, the Brady's teams always have. I, I mean, I and Mac Jones' Jones teams are supposed be to do better. better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the Matt only Castle auto- won in Miami. The only automatic ones they've had they have on their schedule are the three that they've won already and Jacksonville. Other than that, everything else is a coin flip, or or a complete <laughs> ass kicking if they play a team yeah. that's <laughs> really good. All right, let's uh, let's kind of still talk more NFL week seven Um, not too much but one of the biggest storylines from this weekend was the Cincinnati Bengals blowing out the Baltimore Ravens in addition to the Kansas City Chiefs getting destroyed by the Tennessee Titans so at this point in time it feels like the AFC is wide open do you think that you can confidently say one team is the best in the AFC or that some of these teams like the Bengals, the Raiders, uh, the Titans who are five and two might actually be in that conversation or, and are for real? I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is a weird season with, I mean, the, the Bengals are, would actually be the one seed if the regular season were to end at 
and today and the, the Raiders would win the division, I think. Yeah. Yeah, at, Raiders are five and, they have a half game ahead of the Chargers yeah, at five the Chargers and two. Yeah. It, it's definitely been a weird season. And then the the Chiefs wouldn't even be a playoff team, which is might nope. be the arguably the most surprising news of all of all the teams. Yeah. The, the I in my head, I still think that the Chiefs can figure it out. But... I I also do as well. I I don't they're probably not going to be a one seed, and they might not even win they're the division. They're definitely not going to be a one seed. No, I, I don't even know if they can win the division. That's yeah, that's Behind see, that's both the, thing, the Raiders and the Chargers. Yeah, and they're... Right, everything you just said there is that they're in a division with the Chargers, and even though... the <laughs> I can't believe the Raiders are actually not only two games ahead, but I actually would take them a little bit more seriously. Even with a fired coach and all that, you'd think it'd be a complete yeah, mess, they, but they're fine. they've rallied two. the past two weeks, which yeah. has been big for them. And they in the past couple seasons have been susceptible to getting off to strong starts and choking at the end. So it's certainly possible that still happens, but the chiefs have a huge uphill battle. And I thought that this week, you know, Tennessee was primed for a letdown after their Monday night win over Buffalo. Kansas city was kind of looking like they could turn things around after beating Washington. And no, they come out and fall flat. And Patrick Mahomes has his worst game of his career. He's tied for first with the most turnovers in the league. I think with Zach Wilson. Yeah, which Zach Wilson got hurt. Zach Wilson is expected. That kind of jeopardizes. I know that that jeopardizes my um, bold prediction that he'd lead the league in picks. Yeah, and then and that Mahomes would uh, would be the one that overtake him. Yeah, so I just don't know that Kansas City is going to completely get it figured out. I think they can get themselves in the playoffs, but if you look at their four losses, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Bills, and the Titans, those are four teams that are right up there in the conversation for best team in the conference. So what, they have to part figure of, out a way to beat those and teams. And a big part of why they're losing, outside of this past game, because they only scored three points, but pretty much the biggest reason why they're losing is because of their defense. Right now they're... They're thirty second in points allowed and yards allowed and and yards per play allowed. They're they're basically the the worst one of the worst if not the worst team uh, in every statistical category on defense. And combining that with how turnover prone Mahomes is is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, Mahomes has been just. Do you just? dumb interceptions like yeah, he's th- trying to do all this crazy he does these, stuff you know how you'll see the fancy left-handed throw yeah he loves he, those the no look passes and stuff and they just but some of those are actually catching up to now. him where he's trying to do too much and and he's really an outlier when it comes to that gunslinger where the the gunslinger is eventually just going to throw a lot of interceptions and be way too turnover prone i feel like mahomes for the all these years has been the outlier in terms of gunslingers, but now maybe it's catching up to him a little bit and has to take care of the football a lot more. Yeah, he needs to just be smarter and stop trying to you know score every single pass or whatever he's doing. Um, do you think? Do you think part of it is also just because, as great as Tyreek and Kelsey are, it really is a massive, massive drop off after those two guys. See. That was my concern for them heading into the season is who, you know, we've talked about it, who would be the guys below them who can step up. And I do think that plays a role in this. But at the same time, it, Kelsey and Hill have also disappointed in their own right in a lot. Like they've had some games where they've it, gone it, off. Tyreek has definitely been way more boomer bust this year than other years. I mean, he used to be like that earlier in his career, but uh, now that he's more established, he's. He was yeah, great last year, but but 
this year, yeah. I mean, he's still been great, but it's definitely been more boom or bust. Where there was, I remember the first game he went off versus Cleveland, and then versus Philly, he scored three touchdowns. But in the past couple of games, he's been kind of just okay. Yeah, like they, I think that teams are starting to figure out ways to defend against these guys, um, and they're figuring it out because the, I mean, the Chiefs have had some games here where they've they've put up great numbers, you know, great performances against bad teams, but. They've also come out and had duds against good, but like they're not elite defenses or anything either. Like in Buffalo and Tennessee, yeah, like Tennessee. I've I've said a million times how bad their defense is, and I still think they're not a great defense. But Chiefs only scoring three points against them—that's that's absurd. Yeah, I'm definitely worried about the Chiefs right now, just in terms of their ability to be a factor in the postseason. I still think they'll be a postseason team, but I don't think they'll be a one seed, and I, I, I actually don't think they'll be a, a division winner at this point. Just just given that how good the Chargers and Raiders... I mean, I think they'll pass their... I don't know. I, I can't take the Raiders <laughs> too seriously still. I, it's just... Well, it's it's my fault, but the, the Chargers, seriously. the Chargers, I do take seriously, of course. Yeah, can you take the Bengals seriously? They're five and two. They just blew out the Ravens. They're the one seed now, like you said. I know uh, we came into the season thinking, oh, they had a lot of offensive firepower, but they had too many other issues on defense and the offensive line to be good. But look at them now. Yeah, they're. <laughs> yeah, that's another weird, weird situation. Two teams, Raiders and Bengals, two teams that I completely ignored <laughs> for the start the start of the season where like yeah they're, they're gonna finish last both of them but now they're they're both in first place the one and two seeds uh in the afc uh yeah i i would probably take the Bengals more seriously than the raiders because I, I i love joe burrow coming out of coming out of college into the draft i mean of course yes he's the number one pick but he he wasn't really a name until his last year at lsu and out of him herbert and tua he was by far my favorite of the three and He's definitely showing that he was worth the number one pick. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Cardinals and Bengals, they're both the one seeds right now, and Kyler was the number one pick in 2019. Joe Burrow was the number one pick in 2020, so yeah. True, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Maybe I don't know if that's a coincidence, but... Yeah, I guess one of of my concerns with the Bengals was what would Joe Burrow like coming off the the death? Yeah, that was definitely a concern. I mean... And then especially adding on to their the fact that their offensive line coming into the year, I thought, would be abysmal. Yeah, their offensive line has been much better than expected. Their defense has been much better expect than expected. Joe Burrow has shown no signs that he's unhealthy. Jamar Chase, I don't know what was going on with him in the preseason, but he's been on another level, 200 receiving yards this game. So they are certainly a legitimate team, and... It kind of sucks for me to admit that because I already thought the Steelers had a tough competition with the Ravens and the Browns. Now the Bengals, they might even be the best one. When you beat the Ravens and the Steelers on the road, you should be considered the new favorite in the AFC North. And I just don't think that this team is going to slow down. I think that they were primed to kind of fall off after that Packers overtime crusher. And they just went out and they dominated Detroit and dominated Baltimore. So I think the Baltimore um, one for sure is definitely one to take seriously especially beating them 41 to 17 oh for sure they're just running away with it in the second half that's another so. reason to i guess not like the steelers coming into this year is that i mean i, I thought it would just be the ravens and browns and browns of yeah, course now you I, but now adding on to the Bengals, yeah that that just makes it harder for pittsburgh 
Yeah. Well, it definitely makes me feel better about the Steelers losing them in week three. Oh, true. At the very least. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, Steelers play the Browns this week. I don't know who's going to be playing for Cleveland. I'm not totally sure it matters because I'd rather play Johnson ran all over them and Case Keenum held his own in the, the Broncos Thursday night win. I'd rather play Case Keenum than Baker at 50% or whatever he is with, with his situation with his shoulder. having I mean, it, yeah, fractured shoulder or torn labrum. And torn yeah, labrum, yeah that doesn't sound great at all. And so no, I would, I would give him, even, even though it's a rival in division game, I would still rather play Keenum uh, at full health than Baker right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Browns should be kind of smart with the way they handle Baker, but at the same time, I also don't think that there's a huge drop-off with the way their offense is designed going for Baker to Keenum. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't either, to be honest. Yeah, I don't necessarily <laughs> think that they're in a world of hurt, and I don't think it matters who plays quarterback for that team. Um, all right, last, real quickly, yes or no, a week from now, NFL trade deadline. Before then, Deshaun yes. Watson will be traded. <laughs> I knew yes, you're, you you you're going to so? say Deshaun Watson uh, right right as you were asking that question. Yeah, I think I don't think he'll be. I don't. I don't think he'll play. I'm not sure when he'll play. I don't know what but, to make of it because I've heard both that he definitely will be fine to play. That's and the we- also like he's going to end up on the exempt list. Yeah, right that's away, the weirdest so. thing about all of this that even if he does get dealt. The NFL has given no clarity on whether or not if he's going to play or not. No, because they haven't been forced to make a decision with Houston just not even trying to play him. But there has been so much steam over the past week that I'm I'm leaning towards, yes, that he will be traded uh, before the deadline. So I think... Who that, will it be? I don't know, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think... The uh the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Panthers, Panthers those yeah. are like three teams that stand out the most. But it's not like he's gonna show up and turn any of those teams completely around if he does play. Like it certainly not the one in six Dolphins. Oh, definitely like, not the dead. Dolphins. That's and, Chris Greer trying to save his job. Maybe Brian Flores too. Maybe yeah, and, the Panthers, but like I don't know. You need they McCaffrey look like a back mess. too. Yeah, I think McCaffrey is huge for them. I don't think that it's just oh, Sam Darnold. Like he he has not looked great these past few weeks, but the, I don't think comp- that they're a situation where Watson comes in and all of a sudden they're they're an NFC playoff contender with how strong that conference is. The combination for Darnold of having to play the Jets and Texans in two of their first three games and also losing McCaffrey after that third game versus the Texans definitely not definitely not going in Darnold's direction right now. No, it's it's definitely a tale of two and I don't want to say halves, but halfway to this point in this season with uh you know week three to week four transition. But yeah, for the Dolphins, it wouldn't make much difference. And yeah, I was wrong about Tua making a jump this year, but he's looked okay. And yeah, the, he's the, been the past, fine. Yeah, he's been fine the past couple games. He had, again, he's he's not he is a little mediocre, and he doesn't. He's have dealt to, with injuries. Yes, he hasn't been spectacular. But, but to say that so it's many all on him is wrong. makes no sense. Yeah. No. No, it is. It would ser- It would just be a move to try to keep their jobs longer and hope for the best because this season has been an absolute disaster for Miami. If, if I feel like it would just be the Houston, it would be Houston Texans all over again, but just in a nicer right. Nicer they went four, area. And, four and twelve last year with um, Deshaun Watson playing arguably the best season any quarterback had last year, uh, at least statistically. So. So, yeah, we'll see, um, you know, if we'll be talking about that as we come up with the trade deadline. Um, for now, let's wrap up the football talk and let's talk a little baseball. So, 
A week ago when we were recording, we were feeling very good about the Red Sox chances of advancing to the World Series up two to one on the Astros coming off a huge 12 to three win. And from there, the bats went silent, losing pretty pathetically three games in uh, a row. It was really, really pathetic. The Jordi Alvarez or Jordan Alvarez, he had seven hits in game five and game six combined. The Red Sox had five hits <laughs> in those two games. One dude on the Astros had more hits than an entire team in a two-game sample. That's 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 pretty bad. Yeah, that's really bad. I mean, he was phenomenal for the Astros. He was putting up crazy numbers that you wouldn't expect, but it's still, uh, it tells you just how bad the Red Sox offense was looking. They had no hitters going into like the fifth inning two nights in a row with... Um, the you know Valdez and Garcia, I think, were the two guys. So yeah, and th- and both those guys were not good, especially Garcia in in game two, where he, yeah, he pitches they, one inning, and uh-huh. then he he gives up. Yeah, he gives up a grand slam, and then he leads off the next inning, uh, putting a guy on base, and then he just wusses out, and then Odorizzi has to come in, and then he gives up another grand slam, and yeah, and so he he was especially bad in game two, and so for those two guys to it was Valdez in game three you pitch right who like they tried to leave him in forever, but they're like we just can't do this because it's nine nothing in the second inning. I think that was a, or was that Valdez pitched? Uh, he pitched game one. I'm pretty sure, and he and okay. he wasn't great either. I mean, yes, the, the the entire Astros rotation was they looked really bad for a while up yeah. until those last three games. So I it was your key. Your Kitty, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he looked um, terrible too. Yeah, so the now the, you know, Houston figured it out and I it's disappointing because neither of us had expectations for the Red Sox coming into the season, but the fact that they made it that far, you're like, "Oh, this is awesome. Like this will be fun. We're going to have this like surprise World Series win and just to have everything come crashing down like that just sucks." I I remember seeing all over Twitter after the Game 6 loss, everyone was saying, oh, you know, it was such a great year, though. The Red Sox weren't even expected to make it this far. They were only expected to win 80 or so games and not even make the playoffs. So for them to make it this far is such a great achievement, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> sort of true, but at the same time, it's uh, like they're, they're up 2-1 to one, uh, on a team against a team that is hated by everyone and doesn't even have their two of their best pitchers throwing right now, and then the rest of their rotation for the the first three games of the series were not looking good whatsoever. It looked like it was over after game three. Yeah, I thought for sure it was. And one thing that I guess kind of stands out, I don't know how much it really played a factor, but Eduardo Rodriguez did that Carlos Correa watch impression as he, you know, struck him out, was leaving the mound. And Alex Gore is like, don't do that. Like, these guys feed off that kind of stuff. And Do you think that, that was a turning point, point? Didn't the Astros outscore the Red Sox like 23 to 6 after that or something crazy? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, something like that maybe. But I they, a lot it of it also came in one inning then... in the ninth inning in game four as well. Yes, but I know. And that's why I don't know how much significantly that played a role, but... That I guess that's a good point to say this is where the turning point was, where I think, everything just won in Houston's favor. I mean, Parmy wants to say, yeah, Cora did the right thing. I don't know, as because you don't want to give uh you don't want to give more firepower to Houston. But I don't know. At the same time, it wasn't really that big of a deal. 
even Carlos Correa after he was like, no, nah, that was cool on Erod's part. Like, I, I mean, I mean, ultimately, that, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, I think I just think it's Cora, hard to say either way. But I thought Cora made way too big of a deal about that. I was like, oh, we're we're not like that. We're this humble baseball team. No, you're not. <laughs> you guys <laughs> are all cocky. Don't yeah, just embrace not. it. Especially now, Alex Cora. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> I think the bigger stat was the Astros scoring what twenty seven runs with two outs in this series. Just ridiculous. And, like, and the the Red Sox were. I think they were 0 for 17 and runner with runners in scoring position in the the last few games, which or I don't know if it was game five and six or four through six, but probably just, just five and six. But yeah, I mean they it makes sense that they just weren't putting up great numbers. I mean they they didn't have a lot of hits, so it's, yeah, they didn't have a lot of hits. And then even when they did, <laughs> they, they they were still failing at the worst possible yeah. times. And I also felt bad for Chris Sale because he was looking really rusty late in the year and then all of a sudden in game five he looked terrific for for what we are expecting out of sale in that game he he looked terrific for the through the first five innings but the red sox did nothing offensively and then it got to a point where he eventually did give up the runs and and and, and then the red sox offense failed them yeah i know and it's it's that's been my issue with the red sox all season long is that the pitching it has its moments where it can be really good but the offense is supposed to be the strong suit of this team and it's like they go on these like little bursts where they put up a ton of runs but then the bats just go silent even going back to the Rays series they had games where it's like oh they scored a bunch of runs in just one inning and or two innings and that was it and they just had to rely on that being enough and it worked out in some cases but it it was very much like a you know live or die with those you know those big home runs and just all the extra base hits and stuff and it's frustrating. You need to rely on the offense. Have, they couldn't more. have more consistency. Is my issue is that they score twelve runs in one game and then the next couple of games they score five total or whatever it was. So it's um I might I don't even think it was five. It was just three total runs. So just really kind of. I mean, yeah, to see the you definitely need to quiet. lean on the offense a lot more because when it comes to the Red Sox pitching staff, it's who can you really rely on? It's Avaldi, and then in the bullpen, it's Garrett Whitlock and Nick Pavetta. And Nick Pavetta even started Game Four, and so like outside of those three guys, I I don't have I didn't have faith in any of any anyone uh, in, in the Red Sox pitching staff. So yeah, they had to win more games offensively, and yes, they were doing that in several games, especially the game two and game three, where they hit three grand slams and then they scored fourteen runs versus the Rays in game two. And so yeah, there were definitely moments where the Red Sox offense could, could catch fire, especially Kike uh, in the in the beginning of the series. But then even he disappeared along with every, everyone else. And so yeah, all of the bats went away. At the I think end. everyone together. Yeah, so I would say it's a combination of a lot of things. The Red Sox offense, their their bats disappearing, and the their 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 pitching staff, like yeah, issues on their the staff catching up to them. And I also think there is a lot of bad decision making on Core's part as well. Where I remember in Game Five when Chris Sale he he was pitching versus Yordi, and there were guys runners on second and third, and Jordan Alvarez is clearly their best hitter. You should yeah, walk him in that situation, load the bases, uh, and it was, possibly I think it was one out at the time. Yeah, possibly. So you yeah, set up a double play ball or at least a force at any base. Yeah, and even though Correa is up, I mean, I I would 
I fear Alvarez a lot more in Correa still. And they had two hits in the game, and Alvarez had both of them. Yeah, and so, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he had they had two hits, and he had both and of them at the hit time. Nice, and now he hit and then, three. Yeah, and then he hits he hits one off the wall again, and so yeah, yeah. So that was a mistake uh, not to walk him. And then I hated uh, game six. I think it was the seventh inning. Travis Shaw was up, and it, full, it was a full count, and they do a hit and run. Travis Shaw, yeah. who can't hit anything <laughs> strikes yeah, out of course and then verdugo out, gets thrown out. out and i i mm-hmm. hated that decision as well yeah i wasn't a huge fan of it that felt like that was that was the game at that point oh yeah and i they... turned it off after that i and i know the the, the astros won five nothing in that game that yeah they, 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 it was two it was still day. two nothing it was two nothing at the time yeah so it was it was one of those situations where it was just all right you got to get a guy in scoring position and hope for the best here but it the, the bats just they weren't there they had two hits in the whole game so like I kind of understand Gore's logic I just I don't Not know with Travis that Shaw. I love yeah I don't know <laughs> if I love the two guys that were involved that's I think that's fair to say there so um yeah really frustrating end to the season for the Red Sox I guess what are your expectations for this team going forward because I think a lot of people are you know saying oh like yeah they're ahead of schedule but I also I don't know if I fully believe that this team is going to come back and be in the same spot, especially just given how loaded their division is. Yeah, I, I would agree with everything you said. That I feel like this year it put it puts them ahead of schedule. It feels like, but at the same time, how 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 realistic is it that you can get back to the same exact spot with the team you have constructed right now? That I still find it hard to believe. If they put if they had the same exact team right now going into next year. I wouldn't pick them to make the ALCS. I, I would no, still, I definitely wouldn't either. I mean, they need to make a lot of changes. Yeah, I still think still. they need to make some more improvements to have a more realistic chance of making it this far again and maybe even further, uh, hopefully, next year uh, in the yeah, World certainly Series. need to add pitching. Yeah, pitching is definitely a big this. one. Yeah, might be at the uh, expense of... You know the lineup. I'm not sure what to expect from Kyle Schwarber, but you know I, think I would bring would be him great back. To bring him back. I know he sucked in the ALCS, but I still think he was great uh, for the most part in their lineup. And I don't know if you keep him at first again, or if you put him in the outfield, or if you make him a DH. But if you make him a DH, where does that put JD? So I don't think they can make him a DH. Is he a free agent? He can opt out, right? Or I don't. I, don't I feel so. like every year it's like, is he going to opt out of his contract? I don't know what the. I'll admit, I don't. Are, I don't but. know what the situation is. I thought with his contract, I don't know. Uh, I thought. I thought it was last year that he opted in. I'm. I'm just. Yeah, guess, but like I'm I don't know if it was no. every year how it. Like I'm not sure how that goes. Um, but it feels. I mean, if there were a lot of questions about him coming back, and he came out and was much better this season. So. So yeah, I would. Um, I would bring back Schwarber for sure. Uh, I would like to find someone else at second base. I think Chris, I think Carlos or not Carlos uh, Christian Arroyo. I think he sucks. <laughs> I don't know what he does. I, I mean, he can't hit <laughs> he the has ball. moments every now and then. But yeah, for the most part, I, I've never been a big Arroyo fan. I saw uh, on MLB.com the the pitch zone of what the pitches were like when Arroyo was up, and they were all balls. <laughs> they were all just pitches outside that he was just chasing. And so yeah. it, it, I think he sucks at the plate. And even as a fielder, there was, there had been about a half dozen throws that he threw to Schwarber in the dirt. And it's to Schwarber who doesn't have any experience at first base. And so I don't – he can't hit and he can – and fielding is even questionable. So I don't – I would like them to find another second baseman. That's not the biggest priority, but it was something that I 
noticed his play and him just not performing to the same level as anyone else. Even when the Red Sox bats were on fire, he he, he had very occasional moments, uh, but mostly well, bad ones. And so Arroyo I like- wasn't the second baseman down the stretch in the regular season. It was Iglesias. Iglesias, right, yeah. But he wasn't eligible for the playoffs. They didn't pick him up until after September right, 1st. Right. So then Arroyo had to get plugged back in, but he wasn't playing down the stretch because they needed Iglesias to help him get to the playoffs. Right, so maybe he would be the replacement then. I don't know. Um, yeah, and then, I, I mean, I don't know if that's pit- Pitching for sure is the number one uh number one need for them and yes this one's looking too far ahead but i'm curious what the situation will be with bogart's endeavors just given how important they are to the team and bogart's is in his prime and devers is going to enter his prime and i'd imagine that they'll want bigger contracts bogart's just signed a big deal a couple years ago yeah he's locked up but what would he would he opt out or would he i don't know if he has an opt-out i guess that's possible i just assumed it's straight up seven years um, so Devers is under contract, or I guess he has two more years of arbitration eligible before being an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So paying him would be a thing that they have to do soon. So this, I mean, that's certainly a thing. It's certainly a factor with this team. Basically um, the point is for them to get back <laughs> as far as they did this year and hopefully world series, they can't have the same exact roster again. No, as great as it was that they overachieved and proved a lot of people wrong. Yep, I can't imagine them doing it two years in a row. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that they would. So, um, I guess let's talk about the National League side. So the Atlanta Braves knocking off the Los Angeles Dodgers in six games in the NLCS, so they'll advance to the World Series to take on Houston. Um, certainly happy about that. That the yeah happy that the Dodgers are out and and yes the the, the Dodgers won hundred plus games and the Braves were basically in a division like the NFC East of baseball where yeah, they only won wins for yeah them. they won eighty eight games even though one team is clearly more talented than the other I still kind of don't care I'm glad the Braves won well here's the thing with the Braves they were really struggling all season coming into the year and then they went out and instead of just punting on the season when Mike Soroka and um, Ronald Acuna Jr. got hurt and were lost to the season, they went out and they acquired a bunch of outfield bats. They traded for Jock Peterson. They traded for Jorge Soler. They traded for Adam Duvall. They traded for Eddie Rosario. And a lot of those guys came up in huge moments in the postseason. So even though they were an 88-win team, their second half, like the team that was playing in the playoffs was much better than that. Yeah, and especially Eddie Rosario winning. I think he won NLCS MVP and... It would make he, sense. He had a lot of huge hits in this he one. He had one. Oh, of no. The, didn't Austin Riley? Austin or, Riley had one of the walk-offs, but I think Rosario had the other one in game two. I'm, I'm guessing so Austin that. Riley might win NL MVP. Maybe I just assumed that he was the NLCS MVP. But yeah, Eddie Rosario was awesome this year. So he did end up winning NLCS MVP, yeah, which I said that the Braves were... One of the biggest winners at the trade deadline, and I'm glad to have that proven right, especially because they were my World Series pick heading into the season. So yeah, that was now they're here. Both of those uh, predictions or or calls were both great on you. Yeah, I mean the the deadline one uh, certainly helped that preseason one. I mean, out. I th- I thought Max Scherzer and Trey Turner 
were a little bit better. Uh, no, I mean, upgrades. I, I agree. Like the Dodgers were the obvious big winner, but um, to me, the Braves were like, that guess the second big winner uh, for the Dodgers though. They were definitely missing some guys, but it's hard for me to feel bad for them. And thinking like the way that like fans are talking about this team, like, Oh, there's no Max Muncie. Max Scherzer was dealing with an injury. Clay and Kershaw was out and acting like they're throwing out a triple a team instead of a team that had, you know, a $250 million payroll with 175 of it still out there. Yeah, I just, I just think it's so unfair how good they are with their payroll. It's it's like, oh, we, we don't have we don't have Clayton Kershaw or, uh, due to injury and, and Trevor Bauer due to his situation right now. But we still have uh, Julio Arreyes and Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer. And Max Scherzer, yeah. Who even at less than 100% is still a really great pitcher, so... The, the Dodgers have a lot of question marks heading into this offseason because Scherzer's a free agent. Corey Seager's a free agent. They're both going to get huge contracts. Kenley Jansen in their bullpen. Corey Niebel. Um, Chris Taylor, he's a hot commodity. He's I'd imagine Chris versatile. Taylor won't be back. No, I think he's going to end up getting a big deal So uh, by somebody just because he can play so many different positions. So. Uh, Dodgers definitely have a lot of question marks heading this offseason, and they could look very different. I'm sure they'll still have a lot of money invested. They'll still be, you know, the favorite to win the NL West heading into the season, or at least make the playoffs. So uh, I'm not too concerned about them still being around. But I certainly think it's cool that we have a Houston Atlanta World Series instead of a Houston LA World Series. Who would you pick out of the ones that are free agents? Who would you bring back, and who would you? let go if of. i was the dodgers yeah, i would i would be willing to wet, let um seager walk i think he there's so many shortstops out there that i think you're going to command a big market but basically trading for trey turner i think kind of to me like yeah turner's gonna be the guy gavin lux he's supposed to be this great uh second base prospects i i think that i would be willing to let seager walk i would still negotiate with him but i wouldn't overpay to keep him certainly bring back max scherzer um probably let Jansen walk but maybe consider bringing back Corey Niebel and then Clayton Kershaw's a tough one I wouldn't overpay him I'd say yeah, if he wants to come back on a discount otherwise he can go somewhere else to finish his career even though he's a multiple Cy Young award winner and even an MVP winner he I'd imagine he's on the decline now and so but yeah I, I completely agree with you when it comes to Seager and Scherzer I mean yeah Corey Seager yes he won World Series MVP and has been very good for them but yeah when you bring in Trey Turner, I'd imagine it's a good replacement. And and then Scherzer, I, I'm someone that believes in starting pitching is the the biggest key to winning. And that's just my opinion in terms of winning a World Series. I mean, just look at the past teams that have won it, where the Nationals, they had Scherzer and Strasburg, who won World Series MVP that year, uh, as well, and then Patrick Corbin. And so they had a great rotation, and then the Dodgers won last year, and of course they they had a great rotation uh, this year, like last year, I mean. And so, I'm I, I'm still a guy that values starting pitching more than anyone, more than anything uh, in baseball. Yeah, and even though Scherzer is like 37 years old, he's still going to command a huge contract this offseason because he just he was unreal with the Dodgers in the second half when they acquired him. So, um, and I I think it would make a lot of sense for him to remain in LA. So, all right, I guess with that, Braves-Astros. So game one will have already happened by the time you listen to this, but uh, what are your predictions for the, you know, this series here? So my prediction is that 
the team that I pick is the team that I want to lose. <laughs> just just given just given given a recent history of my picks when it comes to Super Bowl picks or World Series picks, it's which oh, team true, do I yeah. want to lose? That's the yep. team that I'm gonna pick so the other team wins. Hedge yourself. So I'm gonna yes. yeah, exactly. Reverse psychology. So I'm gonna pick the Astros <laughs> to win it all. In how many games? Um I will say um seven again. They've been they've been in seven game series two times in a row where they won in seven versus the Dodgers and then they lost in seven versus the Nationals. So I'll say seven again. True. Okay. Um I'm gonna go ahead and ride the Braves because I've been riding them for a long time Good. and I'll still believe in them. I'm gonna say the Braves in six. And also for the record, I'm I'm coming off as an Astros hater, but this is something that we talked about in our last episode the question that you brought up, if it were between the Astros and the Dodgers, if they were to meet in the World Series, who would I root for? I personally, even though it's a very unpopular opinion, I would root for the Astros because I'm not I'm someone that wasn't I, I'm not I don't hate the Astros like like everyone else when it comes to all the cheating scandals that they had and the things I hate about the Astros are certain personalities like Alex Bregman, I think I think he's a prick, and and I didn't like how he handled the Nathan Navalny situation, where the Instagram post, and a few other things I don't like about him. And then Correa is kind of the same thing, where he can be an edgy player, and with the watch thing as well, and Altuve with the game six walk off home run versus Chapman, and the <laughs> the presumed buzzer that he had yep. <laughs> in his uniform, and why didn't yeah, he want to take, take off, off his shirt? Yeah, yep. and, and so so there are things that I definitely things i don't like about the astros but i don't hate them as much as others and obviously i don't like the dodgers whatsoever and they're just way too good and so and they were way too whiny about the astros stuff when all, that all came out and blaming them that uh, that was the reason why they lost even though they lost game seven of the world series at home to the astros and not at houston when it happened and so and i just think it'd be hilarious if if after all that whining they would, and the Astros just yeah. win. I I would have rooted for the Astros over the Dodgers. This is, I think, would be hilarious if the Astros beat them again, uh, in you know, presumably non-cheating way. But yeah, I mean, I I don't even like really love the Braves. It's just for whatever reason, they're the team that I kind of decided to ride yeah. this year. So just, it's like one of those like where the, I'm like, just like me with the Phoenix Suns, ride it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm like, uh, this I guess was, this I'll, was a. I'll keep going with it. This plus, was, like the, the what the Braves have accomplished this season, uh, given all the the star power that they lost, it's I think it's it's pretty incredible that they've been able to make it this far. No, and so. I, I agree with that. And th- I mean, they're a slightly more likable team than the Astros. Yeah. Like, like you said, I don't have anything against not, like the Astros. They're not a they're not a likable team. I mean, I don't have anything against the Braves. You know, I guess the only thing is I remember in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, after their World Series win in 95, they were kind of underachievers with how much talent they had where they would win the division every single year and then lose in the NLDS several times uh, almost every year. And so I guess that's the one thing I would have against the Braves is that they, they always find a way to lose uh, in the playoffs. But other than that, I don't have it that much against them, really. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess it's weird for me to say I don't like the Braves because of the 1992 NLCS when I wasn't even born for another three <laughs> <Yeah>. years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right. Anyway, let's wrap up baseball and let's do kind of a, a mini basketball season preview. So this was one where we did go a little more in depth. Um, we still want to give some predictions and stuff just to throw them out there. So that way we have it in, you know, in recording if things go right. The longer that this episode has gone on, the more I've thought about like, oh man, that last episode, we've lost so much material and I feel was, so terrible about there it. There was a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay though. Um, I guess let's start kind of the, the two big names, at least at the start of the season right now are Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. As Celtics fans, we're not too fond of either of those players or their teams. But what are you talking about? These two are my two favorite players in the league. <laughs> yeah, so I know you you've been a bigger Ben Simmons hater than I have. I hate the Sixers a lot, so I guess I I don't hate Ben Simmons. I think it's hilarious, like this idea that Ben Simmons is could potentially totally tank his trade value and just leave Philly in a terrible spot. But it, at least it seems like he's coming back to play at some point whenever he's mentally ready i i i i don't know who's handled this situation worse because i think both sides have been really bad and i get the sixers have more leverage here but they're still in a position where if simmons doesn't come out and build back his trade value then they're just left with him and i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing given how terrible they were in the postseason against atlanta yeah i mean because of simmons i come off as a ben simmons hater and i am but it's not just Ben Simmons. It's, I'm also kind of a Sixers hater. I I've just never liked the the process of just of. I feel like they're no trust. Yeah, I don't I don't trust the process <laughs> really. Even though I like Joel Embiid and find him entertaining, I I still think it's kind of uh, a clown show there and of in Philly. And I've never really taken them seriously. And but but yeah, I I agree with what you said that. Both both sides, Ben Simmons and the team, have both have handled it this off season and uh, right the situation right now uh, poorly. And but if I had to pick which side has handled it more poorly, I would say Ben Simmons still because okay he 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 had the moment in Game Seven where he didn't shoot and. Every everyone he didn't the, dunk. Yeah, he didn't dunk it. Yeah, he didn't do anything. <laughs> Not that he didn't shoot. He didn't dunk. Yeah, and then he passed up a dunk because he was afraid to get fouled. Yeah, and then he got called out by basically everybody, everyone on his team, organization, media. Yeah, which I guess that's why I kind of blame the Sixers because yeah, Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, like they were all calling out Ben Simmons. Yeah, after and the, Doc that. Rivers would say they weren't hiding he, it. He would get asked, oh, "Is Ben Simmons uh, a future?" Uh, champion at point point guard champion or something like that and yeah. Doc is like uh, yeah I can't answer that question know. I don't know yeah. so he gave uh. <laughs> he didn't back Ben Simmons whatsoever there and then Joel Embiid's like yeah uh, we lost the game because uh we we didn't take the shot when we were supposed to and so, something like that he didn't say that word for word but he basically said yeah Ben Simmons just refuses to shoot the ball and and so yeah, I think but Daryl Morey has been has been very open throughout the offseason that they were looking to trade Simmons. Yeah. So and I and I thought that. he would at this point. Um so yeah, for But him, at the same time, Simmons has also been bad because of the way he's handled this and the things that he's that, putting out to the media. That's what so. I was going with, yeah, is that the worst thing of all this though is that Ben Simmons in <laughs> in practice just would refuse to take part in it to the point where <laughs> I, I had to ask you if this was true or not uh, that 
Is this report true where Doc Rivers, he told Ben Simmons to do this drill and he said no and then he told him to leave and then he just <laughs> dropped the basketball and then left? <laughs> yeah, as, as far as I know, that happened. And I, I don't know what's changed in the few days since then because it seems like... He's still Simmons not ready to is, play. He's still not ready to play, but at least he's trying to now. Yeah. Like he's, he, It sounds like he wants to. We'll see. I, I don't know. It's I... At I least Tobias Harris that... is backing him up. I don't know if you saw his tweet where no, I mean he 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 backed he backed him up saying that respect his privacy and we're here for him and blah blah blah. And... No, and I I totally get it. Like, there's no reason that Simmons should be rushing back given what he's done this off season. But at the same time, the Sixers aren't just going to give him away for nothing. So he's certainly has not helped his cause. And I think he could have been traded at this point had he, you know, not. Acted like a jackass. And and, yeah, the way he <laughs> acted like he has. So, um, yeah, so certainly a storyline to watch. I, I think there are a lot of teams that would be very interested in acquiring Ben Simmons. And I think that he could certainly thrive, especially in like a smaller market team, like, you know, someone who's not at the, the top of the conference, like they, you know, just trying to fight for a playoff berth. I think there are a lot of opportunities for him. So we'll see what ends up happening there. And then, of course, Kyrie Irving is not playing for the Brooklyn Nets right now. And I I don't think that he's going to be back before Ben Simmons, to say the least, if he's back at all at this point. Is that a good thing or bad? So, I mean, obviously, first thought, that's a bad thing. But wouldn't that be a good thing if he came back in the second half of the season, given his injuries, and he plays a half a season into and then into the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I to an extent, I I don't want him to play. I would much rather see Kevin Durant and James Harden do this thing on their own. And you don't need to tell I, me. If, <laughs> you don't need yeah. to tell me that. I, I'd rather see those. No, two you know, win I, I guess then. Yeah, I don't know because because like in theory they could have this amazing team with this big three, but. I, you do you bring up a good point with the injuries because we saw that affect the team last season when they their three guys all dealt with injuries they were never playing together and it they even got hurt in the playoffs and it cost them pretty big time and losing in the second round of the box so I think that Kyrie Irving coming back and playing for the Nets should be a positive but has the potential to be a negative and I would much rather him just not show up i guess and uh see the nets play well without him yeah i would would love that too Kyrie come in and the nets play well with him at that point yeah you asked me this last time in the last episode where when you want to see if 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 the nets were to make it uh advanced deep into the postseason but it's without Kyrie, when you want to see them win i'm like yeah actually i would yeah absolutely i've always been a huge fan of kevin durant i don't care about the whole yeah, thunder I, going to golden state thing yeah I, well, well i'll admit that that was kind of a low move going to golden state but before that i liked yeah, kevin durant. But, and uh, so take out the golden state stuff so after he leaves golden state and comes to brooklyn last year he was the man in the postseason oh, if it weren't he was, he was awesome for if them. it weren't like he needed to be if it weren't for his quote his big ass foot stepping on yeah. the line, they might be envy- they might have won it all. There's a chance that yeah, they, they won certainly could have. And so, yes, Kevin Durant, yeah, he kind of rode the bandwagon with Golden State, but in Brooklyn, he was the guy there. It wasn't mm-hmm. Steph Curry's team. It was it was strictly pretty much his team. I mean, for the most part, because Kyrie wasn't even playing, and Harden was out there, but he obviously he wasn't was not the same. at a hundred percent. No, 
No. So I yeah, Kevin Durant to me, like I'd be totally fine with him winning. I, I don't love Harden, but yeah, I don't, it's I don't nowhere either. near Kyrie. It's just I don't love his basketball play. And I think it's hilarious how he's already complaining about the new like foul rule changes that they did. Yeah, I mean I don't so. love any three of them, but it's clear who's my favorite, second favorite, and least favorite of the three. Yep. So that's an interesting situation to see how it unfolds. I assume Kyrie Irving won't play until he gets vaccinated. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And I guess it's a question as, is that going it's, it's to just, happen? It's just crazy that Kyrie, he's, this is what you brought up. So I'll give you credit for it, but Kyrie, he, he so he wants to be a voice for the voiceless, but then when, when it comes to this COVID thing, vaccine thing, but, but then all of a sudden he's, Last year, he's at his, I think it was his sister's birthday party and, and or some sort of party, and he was maskless, and then he's paying fines, all these fines for breaking all these protocols. It's, it's, it's kind of contradicting yourself. He went to a reservation yourself. maskless. And yeah, you know, he's, he's been very uh, contradictory this whole time in terms of the things he says and the, the actions that he actually takes. And I, I just think he's just being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. I so. completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm under the impression that Kyrie is not going to significantly matter anytime soon, but we'll see if that somehow changes because there have been some athletes who have held out against a vaccine and decided to get vaccinated in the end. So I also it's possible qu- that Durant and Harden convince them or whoever. I also question Kyrie Irving's love for basketball in general, just doing it's all this fair. taking all this he time misses off. games regardless yeah he, he just he took, takes personal days he, he like. took so much time off last year just for personal reasons and yeah and, and he wouldn't even contact the team about it and i don't know he's a mental case and I, and he also in free agency he got to pick his own team he got to pick wherever he wanted to go with who he wanted to go with and even that doesn't make him happy nothing makes him happy right mm-hmm I know it's uh, he's certainly someone that is easy to root against uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, the what happened with the Celtics certainly being a big part of that. Yeah, but that's obviously a big part of it for me. But it's really not just that. It's also no, it's it goes other beyond stuff. that for sure. Yep, he's a phenomenal basketball player. He's a great point guard. Might be up. He's certainly up there for best in the league when he's healthy and on the court. But he's probably a top ten you know. player when he's fully healthy and engaged in everything. Yeah, it's just right now we we haven't been seeing that a lot from him. All right, um, I guess from there, let's just go ahead and throw out any kind of playoff award predictions, any big things that you want to go out there. I guess first off, let's start with our Celtics. What are your expectations of this team at this point? So last year, I definitely was not high on the Celtics whatsoever. I thought they were a fringe playoff team that would get bounced in the first round. And that did happen, but at the same time, they almost missed the playoffs last year. There was a point in the season where they had, I think, a losing record, and they were a nine seed, and it was just... Yeah, they'd go through the play-in tournament. Yeah, they had to go in the play-in tournament as a seven seed. And so, yeah, that they were actually worse than I thought they would be, but with the end, same end result where they just ended up getting bounced in the first round. And so last year, I was not high on them whatsoever. This year, I think they can bounce back, though, with given the upgrades on their roster uh with they still have the same core with brown tatum and and smart and smart i i hate the the contract but at the same time he still he gives them 
help on defense and he's always going to try his best and and give it his all in every game which is not the case for a lot of NBA players so that I will give him credit for that but I didn't like the contract but it's still a pretty good core three even if it's not a championship caliber big three um, and they're able to get rid of Kemba's contract and bring in Horford and yeah Horford he's not the same player he used to be but I still think they can give him a good veteran presence, and they brought in Schroeder at a really good discount, <laughs> which is a shame for Dennis <laughs> <Yeah>. Schroeder, but <laughs> good for the Celtics. Uh, uh, and they they also have pretty good pieces on their bench as well. With uh, I, I like Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith. I'm not saying they're going to be total difference makers, but I do like I did like both. Of they those. definitely have potential. Yeah, both those guys were pretty good uh, first round picks. I hope they they can improve because if if they don't, then yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're certainly be relied on a lot this season. Yeah, um, Romeo Langford, another guy who's yeah. like starting to become his own. I I really like them bringing back Al Horford. Um, I agree, didn't necessarily love the Marcus Smart contract extension, but I'm I'm glad that Robert Williams was locked up, and I think uh, when he's healthy, he's certainly a difference maker. Yeah, and there. of course the big question is if he can stay healthy, which is a yeah. big if because he when you see him out there on the floor. Uh, I I like I like his game a lot for sure, and I, I'm glad that they picked him where they did 26th overall because he was a guy that had top 10 caliber upside. It was just the question with the the injuries, but also his work ethic, and so I'm I'm fine with them taking the risk when they did in that draft, and 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 then also signing him to a deal, and hopefully he can stay healthy. That's really it because yeah, I, I do mean, like his a, game a ton. It's it's certainly a big if, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I my expectations are pretty high for the Celtics this season. After not being high last year, they lost a lot of time to COVID. So, I, you know, in theory, that's not going to happen again this season. So, um, certainly optimistic that this team can be a contender again in the Eastern Conference. I don't know how they stack up against teams like Milwaukee and Brooklyn, or you know, even like Philly, uh, depending on how that Simmons situation unfolds. But um, I'm optimistic that this team can make it to the second round and be a dark horse contender. Yeah, I am as well. I think I, I, I take them over Philly, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that doesn't need to be said for my uh-huh. case. But uh, I think outside of Milwaukee and Brooklyn, I, I like the Celtics a lot, even though first couple games in the year <laughs> did not look yeah, great. Yeah, first two weren't great. They did end up beating Houston and Charlotte, uh, the next two. But those are also uh, the Rockets are they're they're not good <laughs> rebuild mode yeah the hornets it's a it's a good win um surviving them in overtime on the road right but um are there any any other like kind of dark horse teams across either conference that you're high on yeah this season? I, I like the i like the portland trail blazers a lot coming into this year i know that's not a, a really sneaky dark horse but they were an eight seed last year they had a losing record and and damian lillard this past offseason there were definitely rumors of him being traded and not liking in portland just given what's surrounding him but i think they they're in for a bounce back year just given that they they acquired chauncey billups as their head coach who i was certainly a fan of when he was a player i loved chauncey billups as a player especially when he was in detroit and even even when he was good against the celtics unfortunately at times i i still respected him a lot as a player and i feel like he his attitude uh and especially when you factor in that he was a point guard and Trailblazers' best player is a point guard and Damian Lillard, I feel like he can make a big difference for Portland. And then also last year, uh, after Lillard, McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic, both second and third best players on the team, both of those guys were out a long time last year. 
And so for if if those two can stay healthy, uh, well, one that makes a great backcourt for uh, for Portland and having Lillard and McCollum for a full season. I'm not saying it's a backcourt like Golden State when they're fully healthy, but I think I think Portland w- has a great backcourt when those two are healthy. And then I think Yusuf Nurkic can make a huge difference on both ends of the floor when he's also fully healthy. Uh, it makes a great big man. Big man. So. Uh, I like Portland a lot. I'm not saying that they're going all the way, but I think they, they're they also a, a really great bounce-back team for the season. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how they do this year because there are a lot of trade rumors with Damian Lillard. They ultimately have hung on to him at least for one more season. It seems like they made a lot of moves with his best interests in mind, and he's he's been adamant that uh, watching Giannis win a title in Milwaukee has him believing he can do the same thing in Portland. But the West is going to be really good this year. Um, it it always is loaded. There are a lot of strong teams in there. So, well, I do think Portland can take a step forward. I I think it'll require a lot of teams taking step backward as well. So that's why I'm I'm not I'm not totally sure what to make of Portland. I think there are a lot of teams going to be in the same kind of area uh, where you can end up seeing like you know the difference between like the three seed and the six seed isn't all that significant. So the the dark horse team that I'm really high on this season is in the Eastern Conference. That's the Chicago Bulls. They're off to an undefeated start. I love some of the moves they made this offseason, bringing in Lonzo Ball, get a real true point guard. I think he can do a ton in that offense. And Zach Levine is no longer going to be like the relied on guy. They went out and they got Nikola Vucevic as their center from the Magic last season at the deadline. And then they went out and uh, did a sign and trade for DeMar DeRozan, bringing in a veteran presence, someone who can certainly put the ball in the basket. So um, I'm high on this Chicago team. I think Patrick Williams can develop a former fourth overall pick. He's entering his second season, as well as Kobe White being able to kind of be the sixth man off the bench as the uh, ultimate backup to ball in Levine. So I'm, I'm high on the Bulls. I think that they're a team that can make it also to the second round like the Celtics. For the record, they're off to a 4-0 start, but I will back you up and say that you were high on them before the 4-0 start. I yes, know I yeah. know for a fact <laughs> that you were uh, a big believer in the Bulls, so uh, I can definitely see it, especially now, of course. But but definitely... Any, any teams that... Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, they, they... Well, so they've won four games, but I know they beat the Pistons, the Raptors. I think they beat the Pistons twice. I don't know if they've necessarily right. beaten anybody great That's a yet, good point, but, yeah. You know, the... the yeah, I'll, I'll but take but it. there are definitely pl- players in that roster that can definitely help out Zach Levine because I feel like the yeah. past couple of years it's just been Zach Levine and then just a drop off to whoever else they have. Like yeah, Markinen. they should be much improved this season. With oh yeah, he had a, a huge dunk on Nikola Jokic last night. Oh nice. Yeah, they have a lot of posters last night. Um, so, are there any teams that you're really down on this season? Uh, the Sixers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Any I, bold I, prediction about them? Yeah. I mean, I think they're a very fringe playoff team, especially uh, I'd imagine that they'll trade Simmons, uh, whoever it's to. I do think they will. I think at, at some, some point, point that they will. Um, I mean, the Lakers, I mean, I still think that they'll be great and they'll be contending and all that, but to actually win it all, I have my doubts because, okay, yes, they have LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook and okay, all three of those guys are three of the best players in the NBA still. But I do, I admit, I do question the fit of those guys because LeBron and Westbrook in particular, those two are guys are at their best when they have the ball in their hands. They're not guys that are 
uh, guys that are going to create their own shot by, you know, you know, trying to get open. I mean, those are those are two guys that are very very ball dominant players, and so I kind of question the fit of those three guys. But I also kind of question uh, the the injury prone as uh, stuff as well, just They're given old, LeBron's age. A lot of veterans. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's still in his prime a little bit, but I mean, I'd imagine that the amount of minutes he plays, uh, he's played over the years, especially when he was in OKC. I don't know. Maybe that stuff will eventually catch up to him. I don't know. But of course the biggest question in terms of injury, uh, potential injury prone is, uh, Anthony Davis, just given that last year he could, he could barely play on the court in that sun series. And then to the point where his body just gave out and the Suns eventually won the series. And so, even though he's the youngest, he's the one to worry about the most, staying healthy. And so, yeah, I question the fit and the health of the Lakers a little bit. And I'm and I know LeBron's going to use as built built uh, bulletin board material and say, "Oh, no one's giving us a chance," even though they're literally like one of the <laughs> two or three. They're favorites. like the number two favorite. Yeah. And so, I'm sure he'll use that, and it'll be annoying. But it is something to question a little bit about the Lakers. So I'm not like down down on them for sure. But yeah. I, yeah. I think the Lakers are more built for the playoffs than a sustained regular season success. I think that they'll still be very good, but they're off to a shaky start. They went winless in the preseason, back-to-back home losses, the Golden State and Phoenix, a lot of internal fighting on the bench. Um, so there's certainly reasons to be nervous. They barely beat Memphis in the one game that they did win. So it's there's reasons to be concerned right now. I think they're going to kind of figure things out, but I still think that this team, just given how good the West is, that some of those hiccups will lead to them being like a three seed, but I certainly think they have the opportunity from there to still go on a a deep playoff run. So um, I guess teams that I'm down on relatively, so Los Angeles Clippers, no Kawhi Leonard this season. I know they went to the Western Conference Finals last year with him missing most of the playoffs. Um, although, actually, it wasn't even true because he didn't get hurt till the Jazz Series. So they were able to beat Utah a couple times without him. But I think that it's going to really catch up to them, and they're going to end up in the play-in tournament this t- time around. Um, still probably end up being in the top eight, but it'll come down to the wire. And who knows when Kawhi will come back. Maybe he'll be able to save them and go on another improbable playoff run. But I think that they're going to be down this season. And another team that I think was kind of a one-hit wonder and they're going to go somewhat back to normal, the New York Knicks. I know they beat the Celtics in double overtime in opening night. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be like disaster-level Knicks, but I think that at the at best, they're going to end up in the play-in tournament. I don't think they're going to be a four seed in the Eastern Conference again, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs entirely. What about uh, your favorite one-hit wonder in the Miami Heat? Yeah, the Miami Heat are a team that I was very down on, and then they show up in the bubble and just prove me wrong every single series. I think that the Heat are going to be in a similar spot as last season, where they're going to be like a six seed in the East, and that's kind of what their ceiling is, is they're just going to lose in the first round to a team like Milwaukee or Boston or whoever, you know, Philly, Chicago, whoever they end up getting matched up with, and yeah, that's it. We're gonna. I don't think Kyle Lowry is gonna come in and make a huge difference for this team. I think that the the Heat are 
going to continue to prove that they're they just a just decent a, team, a bubble magic team. And, you know, they made me look bad for a while, but ultimately I was right about them from a pure basketball, normal long-term standpoint, yes. and just not uh-huh. excluding that one magical year in the bubble. Yep. So one team that I'm really high on as well in the Western conference, like, not just saying like a dark horse, but I think that they're going to be the number one seed, have the league MVP, and go to the NBA Finals. And the also State my uh, pick as well. <laughs> yeah, I think Steph Curry is going to be a man on a mission. I think Clay Thompson is going to come out, and he'll come back from injury looking really solid. Maybe not exactly like he used to, but he'll still be good enough. He'll still be an all-star caliber player. And I really like a lot of the pieces that they have around um, those I w- guys. I was really with- hoping you'd leave them for me, but yeah. <laughs> I, I obviously uh, agree with you and I, I love, I'm, I'm all in on the Golden State Warriors this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm yep. with, with Steph and Dre, they're still, and I'd imagine Clay will come back at some point and I, yeah, I, he I will be back sometime soon. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely gonna root for him for sure. I've missing the past two seasons. Uh number seventy seven. Oh, uh, that was so funny. That, <laughs> that was the perfect troll job. Uh, uh, uh because Clay was definitely upset about missing on the top seventy five. <laughs> they just put out the jersey at his yep. locker room. That was perfect. That was so yep. great. But yeah, uh so yeah, and those three have great chemistry together. Steph and Clay being the great backcourt shooters, but Draymond also doing uh, the dirty work inside, but I mean, Dray- Draymond. I mean, I feel like he was kind of useless without uh, not not just Clay. But I remember that that first year Clay was out. Steph also got hurt very early in the season, and Draymond was just useless without those two and guys. And Golden State was the worst team in the league. Yeah, and so having all three of those guys back together is undoubtedly huge for them. And it's not just those three guys. Andrew Wiggins is definitely a great. Uh, starter slash bench guy wherever, whatever the game. He's, plan. A, he's a really good fourth. Yeah, option. and and maybe they'd at some point if if could Ben trade could trade for, him for Ben Simmons yeah, like possibly. Ben Simmons. Uh-huh. Like either way, whether if he's on the roster or not. Yeah. Uh, James Wiseman, I think he's gonna. He dealt with some yeah, injuries last and, season. I think he'll be much better in year two. Yeah, and he's a true center for their team, so mm-hmm. uh, he 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 can definitely make an impact. And then Moses Moody was great. Uh, yep. Uh, him and Jonathan Kaminga, two lottery picks. Yeah, they, they might have won the draft, and 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 they're one of the better teams in the league at full health. And so I think, yeah. And then having, Jordan yeah, Poole, I think Iguodala back. Uh, Otto that, Porter Jr., another veteran oh on the minimum God, they're, deal. They're they're so loaded. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they they have the roster this year. They should certainly be back to where we had been used to seeing them for years. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely all in on the Warriors though. Are they your finals pick? They are my finals pick. Yeah, I, I have Golden State. Winning it all over Milwaukee, I I still think yeah. I think uh, I still think Milwaukee is going to be great and can repeat some of the success they had last season. I I like Giannis to win MVP as well. I think anyone who wins MVP, you score a lot, you're available a lot. I mean, which is definitely key, especially in today's league where Jokic he won MVP last year because he one of the biggest reasons why is because he played every game. Yeah, and a yep. lot of stars especially now are taking games off like LeBron and uh, yeah, we need and, that load management. Yeah. I mean, and which is smart uh, to have load management, especially at later point in your career, but it doesn't help your MVP case. And I think for Giannis, he's still in his prime in his mid to late twenties. And he, he's, 
he's always available and he scores a lot of course and I, I think Milwaukee will be a one seed again so I think he'll I think he's going to win VP again and I don't think there will be voter fatigue especially since Jokic is the one that won last year it's not three years in a row yeah so. exactly yeah I guess my I think that Milwaukee can once again you know, get back to the finals. I think that they can be the best team in the East. I'm a little nervous that there's going to be a little bit of that, uh, you know, championship hangover, you know, celebrating too hard kind of thing, uh, not caring as much maybe at times. But Part of- they went out and they blew up Brooklyn on the opening night. Yeah. So uh, that kind of changes my thought process a little. I'm still going to say the Nets make it out of the East, um, you know, against the Warriors. But I would not be shocked at all if the Bucks are back in the finals. Part of the reason also picking the Bucks to make it to the finals again is I just don't love the Eastern Conference. It's just it's Milwaukee, it's Brooklyn, and obviously I just don't like Brooklyn because I don't like Kyrie Irving. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, ap- no, that's, that's fair. after those, I get it. so yeah, I'm I'm naturally going to root against them. But after those three guys, it is kind of a drop off on their roster, especially rebounding wise. They, they definitely don't have any many players in their roster that can uh, be difference makers on the glass. I mean, I think, I mean, Blake Griffin, we saw last year, he was basically trash at the, at, yeah. at last year, even though he, he, he had, a, he had some moments, Yeah, a little better than in Detroit. Yeah. But. And even though it was smart on the Nets part to get Harden, it, they definitely did lose a lot uh, in that trade with losing Karis LeVert and uh, losing Jared, Jared Allen, Allen, who was, who was good. Was a huge loss. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I would again. I'd still rather have Harden over over those guys and other pieces and draft picks that they lost. But it it, it does it does hurt a little bit after those because after those three guys, especially without Kyrie, <laughs> if he's not yeah. going to come back. No, I I know I like Patty Mills, but I liked Mills yeah. better as like a point guard yeah. off the bench. And I would have loved not. him on the Celtics. I thought it would have made sense for him to come to Boston, especially yeah. the connection he has with Ime Udoka. Uh, but yeah, he's on Brooklyn, which thinks, but. I just think Brooklyn is a little bit more vulnerable than people realize. I mean, not no, they they certainly are, and I I guess my logic is that the East, like you said, there's not a lot of great teams in there that I feel like Brooklyn should be able to survive. It's really but... those two teams, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, and then it's kind of slim picking. There's a lot of teams that could maybe you know compete the Bulls, in there. Celtics, like, uh, yeah, that, that one Sixers, Heat, like it, it, you know there there are other teams that you know certainly have that potential. It's just hard to believe in any of those teams any more than those two. Right, exactly. So, yep. All right, that'll do it for our NBA season preview. I'm sure we'll be talking more basketball throughout the season. Let's get ready to wrap up this episode. And it is late October. Halloween is coming up. It's hey, it's your favorite or one of your top five weeks of the year uh, because of the <laughs> sports, but also because of the Halloween holiday. Um, so big time for fears. So we decided that we will count down our personal biggest fears in this week's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So, Brian, I'll let you get started with your number five here. (laughs) All right. So, my number five fear is probably the least likely that (laughs) I would come across. But if if I did come across it, it would absolutely terrify me. And that is uh, cults. And not cults like the Indianapolis cults. Cults where... With a U. Yeah, Yeah. with a U, exactly. Uh, Social gatherings of... uh, Or social group gatherings of of just 
just it would just be the worst thing imaginable. <laughs> so when you say cults, like you're not saying just like people who like all obsess over like a celebrity or a politician or anything. You're talking like people that are in like a like a devil exactly. worshiping exactly. kind of I gotcha. I watched this movie a couple weeks ago. I forgot what the name of it was, but I'm kind of glad I don't remember what the name of it was because it scared the yeah. shit out of me. <laughs> because these uh, innocent friends were just on a normal hike uh, in the forest uh, having a good time and all of a sudden their lives are ruined or, or at the uh in the movie and couple and a couple of the friends ended up even dying uh, all of them except one actually ended up dying I mean, if it's a horror film yeah makes sense. and yeah and it was it did involve horror and so <laughs> part of it's because of that movie the whatever the movie was called that i watched recently yeah but I, just the idea of, of getting sucked into, yeah, a devilish cut type of uh, cult uh, and not being seen by anyone ever again. That The idea of that just terrifies me. <laughs> every, every time I hear about cults, I always think about that Drake and Josh episode where the like their classmate sells them like their their ex their game sphere or whatever. It's yeah. like, yeah, my parents joined a cult. I had to sell my video games. Oh, I like, gotta oh. go shave my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, that was the best. That was the best day Josh ever had. He got all these free video uh-huh. games. And so, so that yeah, was the even, lucky shirt, even, right? Even taking out the the reasoning that I just gave. Uh, even the just the people in the oh those other cults the yeah uh, no I I, I, things, I totally understand that yeah yeah just trying to add some humor we're talking about fear oh that was so. perfect though yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um all right so um my number five biggest fear is rejection and this is one that was much higher on my list for a long time i've started to get over it and i don't necessarily even mean in just like a dating relationship sense like there are times even with like friends like asking people to hang out work related stuff asking people to do stuff i just i way overthink it and i get in my head this idea that i don't want to be told no and I, I don't know why it's always been such an issue for, with me, but it's it's something that I've started to get better with. I've felt you know more comfortable, not you know feeling like it's a huge deal at all. But you talked about this with birthdays. W- oh yeah, yeah no, with, with birthday was, wishes. Where yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, where if if you yeah. don't get the birthday wish from a specific person, especially if it's a close friend, it's like, oh, well, am, I, am I even friends with the I, person right? anymore? Exactly. Yeah, it's the same concept. Yeah, I, just, I didn't even think about that. I mean, that that replies here. You know, this idea of being feeling rejected. Um, so yeah, it's it definitely belongs on my list. It probably could have been higher um, in some past recent years. Um, maybe even still, there are times when I don't even realize that it's as bad as it is. But uh, definitely belongs on my list here at uh, number five. All right, so for my number four, I went with spiders. I think a lot of people don't like spiders, but especially me. Yeah. I'm definitely not a fan. I, I'm driving today of all days. Uh, I saw a spider right on my shirt. <laughs> in the car? In the car. As you're driving? Yeah, and luckily I was at a red light because at the red light I could just open the the door a little bit and just flick it off quickly. Yeah. But I don't know if I oh, were driving. Man. I don't know. I would end up in an accident. Yeah. I don't know how it, uh, I don't, I don't know how I'd react if it were, if I were driving and like on the highway or whatever and, or 
or back road or whatever, and all of a sudden I, I see the spider and and freak out. I def I definitely freak out if, if especially if it uh is unexpe- unexpected. I remember one time my dad drove me to school. Uh, this is like freshman year of high school, like when I was like fourteen or fifteen or whatever, and he drove me to school one day, and he had the windows down right, and uh-huh. on my side there is a spider hanging from a web and when i noticed it i i said hey there's a spider right there and so when he noticed too he decides to swerve the truck left to right <laughs> and as he does it the spider goes uh, no. back and forth and gets closer closer and closer to my face yeah. and i flip out and he just <laughs> starts losing starts laughing hysterically yeah. and loses it wow so yeah that so that far, me hate horrifying. it, but at the same time, I kind of don't blame him in that situation for the humor. <laughs> yeah, so spiders used to be way up there for me. They're, I left them off my list because I feel like I've gotten much better with them. But just if if I dealt with any of that today, they did be number one. At this there point. was another <laughs> like, time. This was years ago. One time when I was sleeping, I felt mm-hmm. something on my neck. And I figured it was just like an itch or just a random yeah. thing I had to itch on my neck. But then all of a sudden, I felt it just crawling, crawling closer Ugh, <laughs> up my neck. No. I'm like, all right, that, there's something, there's something there. Yeah. And I, I flip out and 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 get out of my bed. And all of a sudden, I see on my bed that there was, it was a spider, and yep. of course, I killed it. And so, yeah, yeah, there. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy for me just thinking that spiders shouldn't be in my top five biggest fears because I've always hated spiders. And I don't know, in the past couple of years, um, especially living alone now, I've had to encounter spiders a lot more. I've had to deal with them and I feel like I'm starting to get over my fear but at the same time I know if there was a spider crawling on me like that would be the end of the world so um yeah might might not be too uh might be too ahead of myself by not having them on mine and saying that they're just an honorable mention but um just totally normal thing for someone to be afraid of uh so my number four is something that I I don't encounter very often but you know I know if I did I would hate it and that is a snake i i guess i'm kind of lucky in my situation and that i don't have to deal with snakes um you know i don't have like a garden or anything and i know a lot of people that live near me do have to see them because of that uh but the few encounters i've had uh i remember this one time in florida i was at like a house thing that my family and a bunch of other families were running and uh somebody saw a snake and i i was terrified i was like in eighth grade at the time i don't think i had ever dealt with a snake before and i was so afraid to shower thinking that it was going to come out of the drain as i'm showering that instead of showering to go out i just sprayed like a ton of axe body spray on me and said it was like that is my shower it was uh, kind of gross thinking back on it. I know that people um, smelled me and were like, what are you wearing? Like, what did you do? Uh, but that that was my biggest um, experience with snakes. And there, there have been times where I'll see them like slithering around if I'm in the woods and stuff. And I'm like, oh no, this is not okay. So, so that's um, definitely a good choice. The reason why I left yeah. it off my list is that I don't have any encounters with snakes if i were if i were like indiana jones yeah I, this would be number yeah. one on my list <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> no I, I totally snake get every, that <laughs> every yeah, time yeah it is 
I think that was one thing I tried to juggle is things that I don't encounter regularly, but know that I would be terrified of them if I did, or things that I do see a lot yeah. and they do scare me because of that. Like, how do I, I rank them? Yeah, if, so. if, if it were between a spider uh, on my shirt in the car or a snake in the car, yeah, I would take the spider for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just that I, I've, I've obviously have had encounters with spiders more often than snakes and so that's why snakes was on my not on my list but i mean yeah snakes would terrify me it's, i mean i've seen have you ever seen the movie snakes on a plane no because it would be so terrifying it, it was terrifying it. <laughs> yeah it, no so i um I, I mean i know uh, enough about the movie to me like i feel like they describe it in the title enough and i'm like yeah i don't need to watch a movie with snakes like that yeah <laughs> I, that, that would i'd imagine that's not a a movie choice uh, on planes when when yeah. when you're in a plane that gives you the choices of movies. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never I've never noticed it, but I don't know um, if it's 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 an older movie at this point. But I I think it's kind of interesting that we're talking about this because I I'm uh, curious the encounters right, you have yeah. with your number three. Uh, so for my number three, uh, I put down sharks, and so that's kind of the same thing with. Uh, with snakes <laughs> where it's not something I would run into uh often but uh I've never had a shark encounter like you'd think but uh I've been in the Philippines several times and we go to okay uh, uh relatives have boats and we go to the ocean a lot and yeah like there I've I've seen it in distances and so, uh, like, I've never been like inches away with from a shark or anything, uh, but I don't know. Just the idea of it uh, does terrify me. I mean, to the point where I I don't even go in the water anymore. Like at the beach, <laughs> not that really? not that that's on my mind. But my my thought is that hey, the shark doesn't come into my home. I don't go so in the shark zone. <laughs> that yeah, is no, my I mean, thought process when it comes to sharks. <laughs> that's fair. I. Uh... So I don't go in the ocean in New Hampshire because it's freezing. But if I'm going in the ocean down here, I never think about it. But I realize that probably at risk at times of sharks. Um, this is one where I'm like, yeah, like just putting myself in there. If I was surfing and a shark was there, I'd be terrified. Yeah, that, but that's why I don't. I, I mean, yeah, it's not I don't the know. reason why I don't go surfing, but it's part of it. If a velociraptor crossed the street, I would be scared of that. But, like, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't know. I guess for me, sharks, like, yes, I would absolutely put that on a fear, but it didn't make my top five because that's one where I feel like I have the least amount of encounters with. Like, I'm not terrified of the ocean, but I, I don't necessarily I, think about I sharks. Hear, uh, I hear, I see stuff, well, during the summer, I'll see stuff on the news a lot where, like, all person killed from shark attack or shark encounter. And, I, I'd imagine I you've seen the movie. I didn't watch the video, but I saw someone today get attacked by a crocodile. Oh, um, so it's similar kind of concept in, in the water. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, I'd imagine you've seen the movie Jaws. Great, great movie. Yeah, but oh, for sure. Probably the scariest PG movie <laughs> that I've had to, <laughs> that I've had to watch. I don't know why it's PG. Probably because yeah. they didn't have PG thirteen. Well, because back then, yeah, they yeah. didn't have PG thirteen. Uh, so. so that's why it was PG. I'd imagine, but yeah, like that. There are yeah. scenes in the movie that that freaked me out, especially the scene where Quint. Uh, is 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 sliding down the boat <laughs> and then all of a sudden yeah the, no it's the shark it's just basically eats him like about. that that freaks me out <laughs> it's terrifying to think about being in that situation but i don't know they're definitely 
look, I could come up with a top yeah, 10. Yeah, that, that's what I was just Gross about to say. They're probably, I could, could <laughs> probably could have come up with a top 10 for this, to be honest. Um, yeah, and I guess my number three is one where it's one that I do encounter. I did recently encounter it, and um, I tried to get rid of the memory, but uh, apparently um, it came back when I saw you also included it in your list, and that is wasps. So I was in Nashua at my parents' house, and there was a wasp in the house for multiple days flying around. And I was like, I, I didn't know what it, if it was a wasp or what it was, but just the whole idea of wasp hornet, anything that can sting me multiple times and hurt me, it, it scares me. And uh, I, I don't love the idea of being stung in general, but whenever I'm around a flying you know yellow black thing that isn't just a bumblebee i i get very nervous and tense about it so to me i think it's it's reasonable for me to put them this high on my fears list because this is one where i very much encounter and i have no self-defense like i'm never gonna just try to squish a a wasp my dad had to do everything for me and that is my it is my number two yeah i did kind of give it away that's okay no that's okay It, it i'm definitely in the same boat when it comes to wasps uh even though I don't like spiders, at least when it comes to spiders, I I, I could just flick it away and it, it's kind of no big deal, or or I can just get it, grab grab a tissue or napkin or whatever and just squish it and throw it away. But when it comes to wasps or anything that's not a bumblebee and it's black and yellow and it's flying everywhere, oh my god, that terrifies me. Because yeah, they, they can yeah. sting you anywhere and they're they could fly up Multiple in your face times. out of nowhere and yeah, it freaks me out. And I I remember. When I used to work at the driving range, there was a a, a a hornet's nest or a beehive where that was like right in my work area, and like that's it's all I could think about sometimes when working. Oh yeah, just uh-huh. how, how do I ignore this right here and try to work at the same time? And uh, I I also tell you a story where where me and my family we were in Mexico for a cruise and. We visited one of the seven wonders of the world, and it was called Chichen Itza, and it was in Mexico. Okay, I've heard of that. And when we got off the bus, <laughs> there were wasps everywhere to the point where one of them was on my crotch, <laughs> and I, oh, no. I was, I was trying to do my best to get it away from me, but it, it, it just wouldn't go. It was just still flying yeah. in that area, and I was uh-huh. telling my cousins, "Someone get this away from me!" And then all of a sudden, <laughs> someone swatted their bag in that area and it 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 didn't sting me and and it got away but at the same time i just got a a bag right a a big uh (laughs) swatted bag right in that area that wasn't great yeah but at the same time yeah it didn't sting me but at the same time it still terrifies me to oh for sure yeah now that i think about it um back in second grade i want to say second or third grade I was at um, Kenny, you know, friend of the podcast, birthday party. Who's that? And <laughs> he was, uh, you know, we were both swimming in his pool, and he found out that day he was allergic to bees oh, because geez. he was stung. Yeah, at his own birthday party, and we both had very blonde hair at the time, so it could have been either one of us, and the the bee just went for him. So, um, and I could have had it. The bees could have been way higher on my list if uh, if I was actually attacked there. So. Um, I think I've only been stung a couple of times. I think before, I've, I've only been stung have. once. Yeah, I think twice for me. 
And it's only been like bees. I don't think I've ever been stung by a hornet. And I don't want to see the thing was because my brother got attacked by a hornet one time and it seemed like the most miserable experience. The one time I got stung, it was it was in in all places a, a basketball gym at the YMCA. Really? Yeah. And inside? Yeah, inside. And like there were it was during huh. the summertime and the, the windows were open, but something got on my neck and it stung me painfully. But at the same time, I never found out if it was a a, a wasp or a hornet, whatever it was. It it got me in the neck and it was painful as hell and i had to rip it out uh and yeah threw it out yeah. I, didn't, I didn't i didn't get to see what it was and i'd imagine yeah that's what it was yeah that sounds awful because it was it flew right on me and then and then and then stung me so yeah so my number two is not an animal this time uh no wildlife anymore it is uh heights i I have always had a huge fear of heights, and this is one where I don't always think about it. Sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm over it now. I'm older, and no, I I encounter a big heighted area, um, I guess. So the North Carolina State Fair was in town. I went this weekend, and two years ago when I went, I was um, kind of forced to go on the sky lift uh, i forget the name of it but it's just it's like a ski lift that takes you over the fair from one side to the other and it's a very small seat you're sitting on and it's just a metal bar and i w- hated it i was on it for like 20 minutes that's because it's just moving slow because i got people on and off of it and i i was so miserable and like that was the moment when i was like wow i really hate heights i didn't realize that i hated them this much um just my feet dangling and there'll be plenty of other times even just like walking at like the mall just trying to lean over the railing like that's only one story and that's that's enough to really get to me so heights are definitely a big big deal for me just the idea of falling down from some place and just that pit in your stomach feeling it's it's so horrible so if we did a top 10 I would say heights would make it, but it w- it's not in my top five. And I guess the reason why is, well, one, I could definitely tell you're more afraid of heights than I am. But <laughs> I think the thing with me is when it comes to heights is that I can go on. So there's this ride at Six Flags called Bizarro. I, I think it used to be the Superman ride. And that goes up 220, yep. 230 feet up. And so you're 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 at like basically the highest point in the park or one of them. And that doesn't freak me out because you have all this protection yeah and so i can deal with heights when i'm secure exactly. in a place like that it's when you're not secure yeah, I, I, or like that's when it gets so really i guess bad. so i guess we're kind of in the same boat it's just that it's on your list and it's not uh-huh. mine where if you're if i'm in a yeah. really secure thing it, it really doesn't freak me out and i i love the the thrill of the the jump uh going going down and it, it, i love the feeling of it and it's great and uh and then there's there are similar rides like that at Six Flags and Canopy, where you go straight up and then straight down. I love the feeling of it, and and when yeah, when you're all when you're in this gear, uh, protective, in, in this protective equipment, it, you feel yeah, you feel really safe and secure. And I don't think about it, but yeah, when it, I guess it's the when you're not in something like that, then yeah, it freaks me out as well. And so you've you've noticed that I've gone to the Patriots game several times this year, mm-hmm. seeing my Snapchat story and and what the view from where my seat is and um i've definitely have enjoyed the the times i've gone to the patriots games this year even even in losing efforts uh but one one thing i'll say is though when we leave the games uh in section it's like in the 330s 
Uh, we're up in the upper deck, and even in the upper deck, it's still a great view. Uh, but the one thing is to mention, though, is that when you leave the stadium, or when, when we leave the stadium, uh, we're because we're all the way up, we're we're pretty far up, and when you look down <laughs> to where all the people yeah. are from the the lower level seats. One look down, you're you are swerving all the way to the left side, and I'm I I don't one look down. I it, it freaks me freaks me the hell out because someone could easily just hit me by accident, and I flip over the railing, and then and then uh-huh. and then I'm a, and then I'm a goner. And so yeah, like I I totally understand uh, where you're coming from when it comes to being in a not secure uh, thing and being that high up. Yeah, I've been watching um, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. It's like a murder mystery podcast with um, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. And there's a scene in it where someone does get pushed over a, like a top of a building. And I'm like, oh my God, that sounds like the worst thing in the world. I, I'm just watching it, like knowing what's about to happen. And I'm like, I can't, I couldn't stand there. Like <laughs> no, no guardrail at all. So... Um, yeah, that's just the thought of that. It just, it gets to me. Completely understand that. Oh, it's, it's my turn, right? Yeah. Uh, so Finish for my number one. number one was actually on your list already, and it's not something that's part of wildlife <laughs> at all, but uh, it's also a uh, rejection. Yeah, it's definitely something that I, uh, <laughs> it's definitely something that I don't handle well uh, in my life. Um or, or I handle it better. It's like it's like what you said. Where I think now I I handle it much better. Probably maybe because I expect it more, or or I just <laughs> yeah. expect it to the point where it's like you know what if it happens whatever. But yeah, I think when I was younger, it's something that I wouldn't handle well, and and it, it could be a mul- it could be multiple things. It could be whether if it's applying for a job or applying to a school or. Uh, getting <laughs> friend zoned or or what you've talked about with the birthday wishes uh or just or, or trying out for a, a baseball or baseball team or, or whatever and, yep. and not not getting not making the team or yeah like there 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 have definitely been moments in my life where i've where i've wanted something or thought i was good enough for for something and and not getting it or some, yeah, I, I I definitely fear the rejection as well. Yeah, no, it sucks. Um, I I totally get it being high on your list. You know, wasps being a lot, but you know what stings even worse? Getting told you're not good enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I can joke about no, it. No, that's the, the, the that's the perfect like, way I totally to put get it. you. Yeah. yeah, no, it it is it is tough. Um, and it's it's certainly something just uh that I think a lot of people deal with. Um. I know every time I look up like biggest fears and stuff like rejection is always pretty high on the list for, um, you know, common ones. So totally makes sense. And like I said, it's number five on my list, but it could have easily been higher and maybe should have even been higher, um, even today. So that being said, my number one, uh, this is one where it feels kind of relevant, uh, these days, but I, I I know it belongs at the top of my list regardless, and that is needles. So last week I got my flu shot, and uh, I actually got it the day that we did our you know recording that was never meant to be. But uh, I was just like uh, trying to talk to the guy who was giving me my shot, and I he was like, "All right, you need to like settle down. Like you're way way too tense right now. Like it's gonna hurt." And I was like, "I'm sorry. I just I can't. I I hate needles. I." 
broke my wrist uh, playing basketball junior year of high school. And the worst part of the experience was having to get an IV. Um, you know, it's, I've just never been a fan of, uh, needles and shots and stuff and vaccines as a kid. I used to just go crazy and I, I've barely gotten over it, even though I know it's just gonna be a little pinch. It's not gonna be that bad. It, uh, it still hurts. Um, you know, it, it hurts like mentally, not even if it doesn't hurt physically. Um, when I was in college, they had like blood drive trucks all over campus a lot and I would have to like cross to the other side of the road because just thinking about it just it it made me queasy and nervous and I hated it so um, yeah for me needles are there that's my biggest fear it's one where I I get over it I suck it up I drive to CVS or the doctor's office or wherever and I get my shots but it uh it it certainly takes a lot for me to get there Nice that you put on number one on your list. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you must have hated uh, getting like the COVID shots too. Having to get twice in three weeks, right. I had to drive over an hour to get a shot too. Oh man! So and so, are you yeah. just thinking about that the entire time, or or just? Yeah. Oh, I know. It's it's yeah. It sucks thinking about it. Um, and you know, it's one of those things where it's it's quick and you get it over with. But it's I just psych myself out. It's not. The whole it's time. definitely not a big fear of mine, but I'll admit in the moment when. They say, "Hey, you're getting. We're gonna give you the shot or whatever." And like, I'll admit, I I look away. I don't look right at it. I look away. Oh and just no, try to think I definitely look away. Yeah, look up in the ceiling or the sky or whatever, and and then uh-huh. it's this quick few second thing or less, and and then put the band aid on. That's it. All right, great. But yeah, and it's like, uh, 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 okay, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> we're fine. And it's not really like I go into like shock or anything. Right. It's just it just the. Uh, you know, I know what you mean. In the I moment. I, yeah. I, I, I have similar feelings, but yeah, it's not, I'm de- I definitely don't fear it as much as you, I guess. Yeah. Getting stabbed would probably be uh, my least favorite way to be murdered. Yeah. I, especially if you've seen the Same scene concept. in uh, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I don't, I don't do well with sharp objects going into my skin for whatever reason. So. <laughs> Did you have any other honorable right. mentions? Uh, because Spiders was my big one. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I had um, what was the one that you s- wood chippers? Yeah, wood chippers. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I was like, what? Um, uh, I just every time I see them. So the thing is, I remember seeing a movie years, years ago, like when I was single digit years, like when I was like seven or eight years old. Was it Chucky or like one of the Chucky I don't, series? No, it wasn't. But no, I think I th- I think of all people, I think Jackie Chan was in the movie, but I remember there was a scene where. Uh, someone killed someone using with a wood yeah, chipper. and it's just like yeah. ever since then, just no. It sounds like a horrible way yeah, to die. That, I mean, a, yeah, I, I totally and, get that. Yeah, I've I was kind of scarred by that scene, and every time I see a wood yeah. chipper, I try to yeah. try to be as far away from it as possible. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you encounter wood chippers? <laughs> not a lot. That's why it's not on the list. <laughs> but anytime I see one, uh-huh. it's like uh, that's that movie scene comes back to. Come back, comes back to mind. No, and I, I totally got that. There's certainly some things that you, they trigger you, especially when you see them as a kid and you're like not ready for yeah. it. So I was I totally not ready that. for that scene whatsoever. Yeah, I definitely. Uh-huh. It's pretty obvious. I watch way too many movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, that'll wrap up our top five biggest fears and this episode. So, um, 
certainly excited for Halloween. And then after that, we get football on Halloween Sunday and more football and more sports if, to, if you, to if, close out the fall. If there's something that will scare me on Sunday, it'll be watching the Patriots defense versus the Chargers. <laughs> that will be yeah, something that will freak me out for sure. Yeah, wa- watching Case Keenum light up the Steelers defense <laughs> somehow. That might, that might <laughs> Johnson run for 146 yeah, yards. That would, that would scare me even more. Yeah, so... All right, for my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone.